I'm Joyce. My husband David is here. And we're just so honored to be with you here this morning. We were with you this summer um, at the amphitheater for a Sunday. It was the Sunday where the bluegrass band played. We really enjoyed those harmonies. And this morning, so enjoyed the music um, up here and also getting to hear you as well. So thank you for letting us be here. We did want you to get a touch, um, an introduction to Cadence International. And back in the back, we have some of our promo materials we'd love for you to take. Uh, And then you got to see uh, what we just came home from in Europe. Um, Europe is where we met Jim and Nancy Howard. They served in Darmstadt, and we served in Darmstadt. They led the hospitality house, and we led the youth group. In fact, um, Nancy and I had babies in the same German hospital a year apart, their son Andrew and our son Justin. They have been dear friends ever since. We are so thankful for them. And as you know, Jim served on the board of Cadence International for many years and also as the chair for a lot of that time. Um, David and I also have another connection to you in that a few years ago we spoke for your family retreat. I don't know if you remember, but we did learn some verses. It was Isaiah 43. One through three. Oh, yes, good. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Some of you remember that. I can see it in your eyes, and a few of you a little bit with your hands. Okay. This church also supports Cadence missionaries, Ben and Connie Katie. They are some of our um, oldest missionaries that have been, been with us since 1960, and we got to see them week before last in Orlando. They bring you their greetings. They're doing well. They're in their mid-80s, and we had to have lunch with them at 1.30 because Connie had a Bible study she was leading. She wanted to get done with the Bible study, have time to talk with the ladies, and then we got to meet with them. They send their greetings and their thanks and their love. Uh, The next photo shows Ben and Connie on the ship going to the Philippines in 1961. Uh, Their daughter Janelle is in front of them, and the couple next to them is Dick and Margaret Patty, and they are holding a little girl who is me. And we were on a ship like they used to do in the old days, going across the ocean and not getting to speak with your family for years, um, writing letters. Both of those women are pregnant in the photo, um, Connie with Randy and my mom with my brother Dave. And I think you have been supporting them all these years since that photo. That's pretty exciting. You are a generous church, we can tell. Look at all these boxes, these shoe boxes for children. Very exciting, and I know other ways that you are generous as well, and I want to thank you. Jim asked me to speak this morning on Why Global Missions, because it's your Mission Sunday. We're missionaries. You are involved in missions. But it's interesting that he wanted us to revisit why. Why are missions important to the church and to every Christian? So I've really enjoyed thinking about that. It's a topic that I love. And um, as we get into this topic, I think sometimes you can maybe feel a little defensive. Like, oh dear, here comes the guilt trip. You know, I mean, I don't know how it's been presented, how you've heard it before. 
But there might be some pressure building. And I hope that as we go along, you will um, be relieved of that. You will know that this is for everybody. This topic can sometimes make us feel guilty, confused, or even like it doesn't apply to me. But I hope we'll see that we're all invited, not pressured, to partner with God in making him known across the street and across the world. In your church, preaching is usually from one book of the Bible, and I love that kind of expository preaching. That's great. We heard a sermon from Leviticus earlier, and then last week I heard a sermon from Ecclesiastes. You guys picked the easy ones, you know, those books. Um, But today I am going to take you to several passages and hopefully paint like a broad picture. And the difficulty of being a guest speaker is that I don't get another chance to talk to you for a while, and so I'm going to be like cramming it in. So I'm just, you know, advising you about that, okay? (laughs) All right. Here we go. Why global missions? There are many answers, but I will offer four. The first reason for global missions is because God so loves the world. John 3, 16 and 17 says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now, before we talk about God loving the world, let's just bring it in a little bit and think about the fact that God loves me and God loves you. We really do need to start there in receiving his love. It's been years now since this happened, and it doesn't happen often, but it, it was very powerful in my life that my husband David um, came by in the kitchen one time. I, was, I think I was working at the sink, and he said, I love you. I mean, he says I love you a lot, but, you know, anyway, I'm going to tell you about this time, okay? He said, I love you. I said, love you too. And then he stopped and kind of turned me around and put his hand under my chin and looked me in the eyes, and he said, I really love you. It's a little uncomfortable. And I couldn't really say, love you too. (laughs) I want us to think about that in terms of God, whether or not you've ever heard that from a person. Hear it from God Almighty today. Hear it from your Savior today. I really love you. And God's love is always moving towards us from the Garden of Eden when he comes to Adam and Eve after they've sinned. He doesn't say, what have you done? He says that later. The first thing he says is, where are you? And he comes to them, and his love is coming towards them. It's always coming towards us from Genesis all the way through Revelation. It'd be really fun to stop and think about all the sections of the Bible and how God's love is moving towards us, even when it seems unlikely like in Jeremiah. But it is. We don't have time for that today, but I'd encourage you to keep your eyes open for God's love and his movement as you read the Bible for yourself. And God in that love is always taking care of sin, from the sacrificial system of the Old Testament to the blood of Jesus that takes care of sin once for all. So sin is never something that he is letting stand between us. It's us. 
We are the ones who will let it stand between us and God. He's got a way to deal with it always. God is permanently invested in and making his home with us. God of the universe chooses to inhabit our earth, our stories, and our very own bodies. Ooh, that gets a little uncomfortable, right? By his Holy Spirit. This is how much God loves us and loves the world. And he asks us to help him let the world know how much he loves them. Why global missions? Because God loves the world. And because of God's intentions and economy for his people. So I've got kind of two points in here. God's intentions start in Genesis 1, 27 and 28 with the creation. God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God's intentions for his people start with his creation mandate for both male and female, and it includes image-bearing, bearing the very image of God. No light stuff there. It includes relationship and legacy, impact and care, leadership over the earth. We are made for God, made for each other, made for work, made for leadership. And then you go on in scripture and we get to Genesis 12 and we have the Abrahamic covenant. This is when God starts to make a people for himself. And when he makes a people for himself, his intentions for them never stop with them. Let's look. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Isn't that fun that he starts with, a ble- I will bless you. Same thing after he creates man and woman. He blesses them first. And now he calls a people to himself, and he blesses them. And then he says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. In Genesis 26, God gives the same promise to Isaac. When God makes a people for himself, which he does with the people of Israel in the Old Testament and the church in the New Testament, God's purposes for his people don't stop with them. There's always an outflow to the world. All the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. God's gospel works for every nation of the world. And that's why we do not, um, one of the reasons we don't advocate for a false health and, wealth, health and wealth gospel, because the true gospel works every country, every person, every age, every nationality, every generation. The true gospel is good news for everyone. Let's talk about God's economy for his people. I find this so fascinating. God's people end up being identified by 12 tribes. Each of them is, has different land, different assigned territory. They have different strengths and callings and different blessings, as you see in Genesis 49. In Joshua 15 through 22, they, it's all devoted to dividing up the land. You have this, you have this, you have this. 
Only one tribe of the twelve has the vocation of being full-time ministers, and that's the Levites. They don't get a tract of land. They get cities within the land of the other people, of the other tribes. They get a little land around their house. They get to have some animals. They have nice clothes. I like that. And they get to invest family money. But they live on the gifts of the other 11 tribes. Their work is full-time, but they don't charge for their services, like the Red Cross or missions. Nonprofits are part of God's economy from the beginning. Also, the Levites are called to tithe their income. All the tribes are called to tithe, to give, including the Levites. All 12 tribes are called to be God's people and bless the world. All are called to live on mission, and only a few are called to be missionaries. The other 11 tribes are supposed to be increasing their fields. They're supposed to be making money. They're supposed to carry out business, be excellent in their professions at home or in the marketplace. Now, in Cadence, as in other missions, we also take vocational excellence seriously. We require training. Our staff have supervisors, and whether at HQ or on the field, we have yearly performance reviews. And David just got his a couple weeks ago from the board of directors. All through the Bible, you see God's people relating to him and blessing the world through different vocations. Let's think about some of the books of the Bible and stories of the Bible and how they relate relate to different vocations. This is just a small list. For example, in Numbers, you see finance and accounting. In Joshua, you see the military, Psalms, music, and arts. Daniel, government, Ruth, agriculture, Ezra, writing and communications, Nehemiah, construction and engineering, Ecclesiastes, which you just finished. You see the scientist investigating everything. In the Gospels, you see tax collectors, homemakers, farmers, fishermen, doctors, military officers, teachers, law enforcement, and more. And in Acts, we have tent makers, businesswomen, government officials, and so many more professions. We could go on and talk about how God in the Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts to every Christian, how we're all part of the priesthood of believers, we're all given the great commandment to love God and love people, and all of us are given the great commission, which is to make disciples as you go along your way. All of us are called to pray, to give, and to go. Why global missions? Because God so loves the world. And because of God's intentions and economy for his people. And thirdly, because we love the world. Christ's love is in us and it motivates us. A 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 18 through 20 says, For Christ's love compels us. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. 
We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Because I love you, I want you to know Jesus. This summer, my dad went to heaven at the age of 95. And a few weeks later, David and I spent a week here in Dillon, catching our breath. I ended up getting a therapeutic massage from an excellent masseuse here in this area. I told her I was carrying grief in my body about my dad's dying, even though I knew that he was in heaven and I knew that I would see him again. I was the last person in her office that day. And we ended up talking for about a half hour afterwards. She told me about her dad's death when she was younger, about how much she and her family love living in this area, how they chose Summit County above other countries and cities. But she also said it took about seven years to really feel at home here. And I didn't ask, but I was curious. I wonder in those seven years of getting established here in this area, which Christians reached out to this sweet family? What does loving the world look like in everyday ways for each of us? You likely have your own stories in these areas. I believe that you are about the kingdom and the gospel. But I'm going to go ahead and suggest eight postures that we can have in loving the world, wherever we are. The first one is to belong. To first of all, settle our relationship with Jesus. Have you put your faith in Jesus? If not, I invite you to do so today. When we put our faith in Jesus, we become part of his family. It's called being born again, born into his family. And if with the day that you put your faith in Jesus, and I know for some it's a process, for some it's a day, that's your spiritual birthday. And, and today is a great day to have a spiritual birthday. Settle your relationship with Jesus first. You belong with him. And let's settle our relationship with the word of God. Let's let it be our truth meter and soul food. We need to ask our questions and wrestle with our doubts. But we also need to honor the fact that we've had a written form of much of this Bible as the standard for God's people for more than 3,000 years. I know all of, some of it is 2,000 years old. But there are some that's recorded 3,000 years. It's a pretty sturdy Bible. Can be trusted. So let's settle in and belong with the word. And then settle into the church. This is the body and bride of Christ. And you belong here. Belong. And then be broken. What will, our, what will it take for our hearts to beat with God's heart and to break with God's heart? Let's not let it be okay with us that some of our neighbors might not spend eternity with Jesus. A couple of weeks ago when we were at this conference in Orlando, I was talking with one of our colleagues, Catherine, who lives in North Carolina, Cadence Missionary. 
She and her husband walk every day for exercise, and she said they know the names and some of the stories of 83 people in their neighborhood. And then she said, I have trouble sleeping because I don't know if many of them will go to heaven. Now, she's making contact with these people not because she's a cadence missionary, but because she's a Christian. She loves them. Belong, be broken, and be present. Wherever we are, we are strategically placed by God, and our spot will never be random. From Acts 17, 26 and 27, um, it says, From one man... God made all nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. And God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any of us. Here's what I love about that verse. God put you and me and everybody else on the planet where he put them so that they would know him. Wherever I am, he put me there so that I would know him, so that I would help others know him. God asks us to be present in our spot, in our season, and love from our gifts. In different seasons of my life, that's looked differently. Remember when I was in grad school, I knew I only had time to do one thing outside of school and work. And so I led the fifth grade girls Bible study, and we had a blast that year. And I'm still in touch with those women many years later. I remember waddling into youth group in Darmstadt, Germany, out there when we were out there with Jim and Nancy. And and actually, their older kids were in our youth group. And I'm waddling, going, man, don't I look cool? You know, the youth worker here. And I'm saying that in my head as I'm going in. And Jesus says to me, in my mind, don't you worry about that. This is where you are. You give to them from where you are. And I was pregnant at the time. I know sometimes we can think we're too young, we're too old. We don't have this training or this or that, but God wants to use every single one of us where we are, from our spot, in our season, with our gifts. We got to have our kids' friends in our home, and at different stages of life, that looked differently. Let's belong, be broken, be present, and be brave. And here I want to emphasize that we are part of the priesthood of believers, and we need to pray like the priests we are. Don't ever think that because somebody's a missionary, they get a little extra access to God. Not true. Hebrews, it says that the access has been given for every one of us to go right into the throne room of God, right into the throne room, and find help for our time of need. And my time of need is 24-7. I don't know about yours. But as the priesthood of believers, we have honor and we have responsibility. In um, 1 Peter 2.9, it says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. See, what happens in the New Testament is that we no longer have just the Levites as the priests. It goes to the whole body of Christ. And as the priest talks to God for the people and talks to the people for God, 
we have that opportunity. We can drive down the road and pray for people we don't know. You know, prayer is that thing we can do anytime, any place, about anything. In Ephesians, it says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. That's all. We have all access to the throne room, and we can talk about anything with God at any time. That's amazing. I just want all of us to be doing that. We don't know the difference it's going to make. Sometimes we might never know. I remember I got a message from a friend that I'd gone to grade school and high school with. I got a Facebook message last year. She said, "Um, remember you led me to Christ in grade school? No, I don't remember. Um, At a Bible study at your house. And she says, and then I wandered away in high school, but I watched your life. And I ended up coming to Christ later as an adult, and I've walked with him. And I want you to know that. Years and years and years had passed. I didn't know that. Be brave and pray. Be the priest that you are. This week I got my hair cut and I was sitting in the chair and this lovely professional who works on hair was telling me about how sick her husband is. And I listened and talked to her. I'm sitting in that chair as a believer, as a priest in the kingdom of God. And I said to her I would pray for her and interacted with her about about God, about the uh, people from the Catholic Church that had come and given them communion. I knew they weren't involved in the church, but we had a sweet conversation. And afterwards, I kind of took the risk. I reached out to hug her, said, I'm praying for you. And then she didn't let go. And I thought, oh dear, I got to pray now. You know, like, and, and um, I wasn't prepared. But I'll tell you what I was prepared with because I'm always prepared with this. God loves you. And may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you and give you peace. That is the blessing of Aaron from number six. And that is mine to pray and to speak over anybody, anytime to say God loves you. May he bless you, keep you, give you peace. Those words are right there. So that's what I said into her ear. And then be open. 1 Thessalonians 2.8 is a theme verse for Cadence International. It says, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives as well, because you've become so dear to us. We don't just hand over the gospel. Here you go. This is truth. But we give ourselves. We give our hearts. We open our home. You know, one of my best pictures in my mind from when our kids were teenagers is the backs of these teenage boys filling the pantry door as they figure out what they want to eat from my house because they know they can walk right in the back door and straight to the pantry. They are welcome here. Um, I like to give gifts. It's one of my love languages. So when we would go on trips, we'd bring our children trip treats, but we'd also bring them for their friends or when they were younger for the whole class. When our kids had birthdays, we would invite the whole class to our house for dinner, just an easy dinner, nothing expensive. And every time a parent would say to me, this is the first birthday party my kid's been invited to. 
because everybody was invited. Well, I still give gifts to some of our kids' friends. Um, Our youngest son is 23, and I still give his buddies like a shirt at Christmas. And last Christmas, as he took it um, to one of his friends, this young man said, tell your mom, thanks for the shirt and thanks for the upbringing. Again, we never know how far our love's going to go. What those kindnesses of having people in our home, of loving them there, how much it matters. We want to be open. Um, We want to be good. We want to be a good neighbor, a good worker, a good friend, a good Christian, because there is this thing called reputation and testimony, and it's real, and it affects all of us. Let's not misuse the name of Christ by saying one thing and living another. And notice I did not say be perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. We know who God is, and it's not us. We know him, and we know we're human. But we can walk in the goodness of his love and what he's planned for us. And then let us be generous. Generous with our resources, including but not limited to money. Um, David and I set our tithes from his income to go directly to missionaries and church right away at the first of the month. You know, it's just got to be gone, right? But then we do this thing called a fun tithe. Um, Because I worked as a substitute teacher for about 15 years, my income was different every month. And we'd take that tithe and stick it in an envelope. And we got to do so many fun things with it. Like buy glasses for somebody I was working with. We got to do that a couple times. Take somebody to the eye doctor, pay for their exam, pay for their glasses. Sometimes we just take the envelope and just hand it over to someone because God said, oh, this person needs it. And there you go. You just hand them the envelope. And then you start again. It's fun to be generous, isn't it? We want to be generous with our spiritual gifts because every single one of us has spiritual gifts and they're different And the body needs it, and the world needs it. So let's find out what are your spiritual gifts and how are you using them. We want to be generous with mess. We need to not expect unbelievers to act like believers. We need to allow process, time, mistakes, journeys. It's interesting to me, I've started paying attention to how much time goes by between stories. David and I taught the book of Acts a few summers ago. And, you know, Acts, you're just like, boom, boom, boom. Man, it's happening, happening. Do you know that sometimes when you turn the page, two years have gone by? In some places, it's like 10 years. Because God takes time with his stories. This book here, you know, covering a couple thousand years. And God knows that our stories take time and that other stories take time. And we need to be generous with allowing that time. That's hard. I mean, I like praying zap prayers. You know, God, can you just zap them? And I'm going to go ahead and pray that. I will. But he also asks me to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Whatever that looks like, however long it takes. I'm going to pray those prayers too. Let's be generous um, with differing points of view. Remember, the gospel is good news for everybody. 
We need to focus on that and not let our passion get distracted from this good gospel. And then be obedient. The Holy Spirit will lead us. We need to say our next yes to him. Yes after yes after yes. That's what he asks. Step after step after step. That's how he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's Jesus' job to save people, but he chooses us in the process. So let's see if I can go through these. Belong, be broken, be present, be brave, be open, be good, be generous, be obedient. We can do that, right? Why global missions? Because God loves the world. Because of God's intentions and economy for his people. And because we also love the world. And finally, because this calling and this love are time sensitive. The clock is ticking on our lives, it's ticking on the planet. And there are some things that we can only do while we're here. Global missions is one of them. Local missions is one of them. Sharing the gospel in our lives, that's what we get to do here on this planet in our time. As amazing as snowboarding is here in this area, and it is beautiful, Did you know that you'll be able to snowboard on the new earth? I'm kind of waiting for that then, because now that I'm in my 60s, I'm anyway, you will be able to snowboard on the new earth, and it'll be amazing. There are things we're going to get to do forever and ever on the new new earth and in the new heaven. But there are some things that are just for now, and eternal souls must be our priority no matter what our profession, what we enjoy doing with our time. And I know some of you who witness on the slopes because that's where God puts you and that's where you share. That's great. Last week, Tenley was baptized here. I watched it online. I wasn't with you, but I watched it online. And in her short but powerful testimony, she said, my faith has always been a big part of me. And I'm ready to start showing that I am a believer and I follow Christ. Isn't that beautiful? Maybe you're already doing it, but maybe you need to kind of mark it like Tenley did. I am going to show people that I'm a believer and I follow Christ. No matter where you are, go for it. As I mentioned earlier, my dad died this summer. He left us detailed plans for his memorial service. And he even recorded a video from heaven. He was all dressed in white, you know, talking to us (laughs) from heaven. And in that, he was giving the gospel and asking all the 350 people that had come to his service um, to look at the track, the peace with God that was in the memorial bulletin. My dad was known in the neighborhood not as being a missionary, but as a gardener. 
because he had big gardens and he sold his vegetables from the side yard and he had like really tall tomato plants, like one summer, 15 feet. That's what he wanted to say. Usually they were like eight to 10 feet, really. About 60 of those plants this year. So this summer we pulled the wagon out with the word that the gardener had gone to heaven and he invites you to his memorial service. Dad really wanted us to invite the neighbors because that was his last chance to share the gospel with them. And my brothers ended up going door to door with those flyers. We had them on the side for people to pick up and we also knocked on doors and gave them to them. We also gave the link so they could watch it online. And if you go to cadence.org forward slash Dick Patty Memorial, you can watch it too. Even after 95 years of a good and faithful life, my dad wanted one more opportunity to tell the world, God loves you and I love you. And because I love you, I want you to know that God loves you. Maybe this morning, the Lord is asking you to be part of the one tribe called to do the work of global missions as a full-time job, maybe even as a second career. Please say yes to him. I hope this morning that each of us hears the Lord's reminder that he has called us to be a blessing to the world to be faithful in our part of global missions from our spot, in our season, with our gifts, for as long as we live and breathe. Let's pray. Dear Lord, you had a grand plan to save us, to love us, and then you let us be part of it. It's kind of amazing. You know our insecurities. You know our questions. You know our fears. And also you know what you've put in us, including your spirit. So I just pray you would release the gifts of your spirit over these people. The passion that would continue for your kingdom. I know it's here. But we do long for this this whole community to know you, Jesus. To know that you love them. So we pray towards that, however you want to do it, and let us be part of it. I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.